Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland, but no dimity in Denver today. No, no. She is hard at work on our third book, which is kind of ironic because today is our second annual summer reading podcast. And it's not just me. Don't worry, folks. You're not just listening to me drone on and on and on about books. I am joined in the studio by a good friend of mine and a running partner of mine, Ellison Wiest. Welcome, Allison. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we uh, I brought you on because I've always wanted to have you on the show. And also because you sometimes blog as the book bully. So you know your books. I'm a bit obsessed. I, I won't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, but I thought let's let's go back, let's travel back in time and talk about how we met because I realized just before we started recording this that it was books that brought us together. Such synchronicity, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we met in book group, um, and so I just think I think the takeaway message is to, you know look in perhaps unusual spots to find a running partner and, and how. So I remember we met in about a February and then two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Good memory. And then we, then I don't know how long it was before we took our first run together. Not too long. I think maybe a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wrote about that run in Run Like a Mother because that was when I was following the Atkins high protein, low carb diet for runner's world. And so my sports ego, I'm like, okay, running with somebody new, got to make a good showing of it. And oh, I had absolutely no energy. I remember exactly where it was up on the Alameda Ridge. And I finally like waved the white flag and I'm like, gotta, we gotta walk here. I can't keep doing this anymore. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten into? I remember I did not ever drop carbohydrates after that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was rough going. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so and then, oh, I don't know, some of our highlights of our running together. Um, I think of when I tried to jump in to the Portland Marathon with you. My first marathon. Your first marathon, and I was kind of fresh off having the twins. Oh, gosh. I'd yeah. say from July to October. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. very and, fresh. End of July, early October. I don't know why I thought I could, <laughs> hey, I'll just get in and run, you know, a couple of miles with this woman who ultimately you ended up qualifying for Boston in yes. that race. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. But it was great to see your face. But I remember thinking, you know, this is, well, we need to all be pointing to this woman who just had twins. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, that was rough going. And what, what other high points have we had in our running? Well, mm-hmm. you you um, were the one who urged me on when I qualified for Boston at uh, at the Portland Marathon. That's right. And uh, I don't know how you just somehow psychically knew that I had to shake a tail feather yeah. and not stand there talking to you. That's exactly <laughs> right. And I remember saying something and a runner behind uh, in front of us giving me a very dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> but you handed me some goo right. and a bottle of water yeah. with noon in it, That's just right. as I had asked for. That's uh-huh. right. Now, we've had some good moments and we've also uh, shared uh, some unfortunate moments when you took that big slide at, uh, during that icy run run we did one February oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh my oh, goodness. Lord. When I was turning the corner and uh, boom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> down in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, we have had a lot of fun running together. Oh, and then also I felt you're with me when uh, we were running with Monica, your longtime running partner. We were up on Leif Erickson on a, on a fire road and I, <laughs> I bit it and, and uh, fell. And I remember Monica looked down at me, she goes, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. She goes, okay, I'll stop my Garmin now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I met Monica, my longtime running partner, at that same book club. Yeah. So books have really brought us uh, full circle, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because we still continue to talk about them when we go on runs together now. We're never without... Uh, I know, never without a topic to talk about. That's right. <laughs> so last summer, we focused, Dimity and I focused on 
sporty books. And so when I realized that, oh my goodness, we have to do, I'm going to make this an annual tradition to do a summer reading podcast. And I thought, well, I haven't read enough sporty books to make it, to fill out a full podcast. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do novels. And uh, that was part of the reason why I decided to that Dimity could work on the book instead of being here for the podcast or being here on on Skype um, was that she does not read very many novels. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I sometimes don't read novels, but I love reading novels during the summer. Oh, gosh. And I think, you know, the bigger, the meatier, the juicier, I'm mm-hmm. all on board with that. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, so we just, let's just dive into some of our picks. Okay. Um, so this tome that's sitting next to me, the winner of the Pulitzer Prize this year, The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. Um, I just, I mean, that was, I, I've tweeted about it a lot. I mean, it was, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Definitely. Definitely. It ratcheted up. I know I said to my top 10 list overall, and I believe you said to your top five. Top five, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, it just was, I mean, let's see how many pages is it. It is. Um, Not enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is about 750 pages and just just so gripping and it is the goldfinch in the title um is not an actual bird it is a small painting of a bird that is a true an actual real painting uh, by a dutch master i'm not uh, knowing, I, I wouldn't want and to. And he's sort, he was also sort of uh, not as well known as some of uh, the other Dutch masters because yeah. he died young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not of a mirror type quality. Right. Yeah. So that, um, and it's set in New York City for the most part, with a detour to Las Vegas and then a detour over to Europe later on in the novel. Right. So, but it's um, the main character. He loses his mother early on, and uh, actually ends up. Um, coming into possession with this painting called The Goldfinch. And just it kind of is with him throughout his life uh, as the book goes through it and just trying to figure out what happened to it and how to whether he returns it or not. And just it is, I don't know, I'm not making it sound very interesting, but it is. Oh, it is. It, it is. is. It is just so, the storylines and throwing. And to me, what really did it for me is the writing. It's just exquisite. It is. It's one of those books where you will find yourself, and I do, as much as I read, I do not do this often, but I step back and have to read the sentence over again. Mm-hmm. Um, the writing is that good. The last 40 pages in the back of my mind, it was this voice screaming, no, <laughs> because I knew I was coming to the close and I was petrified of letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like Dickens, uh, uh, you will love this book, but uh, I don't want that to scare off some people because I know, have a lot of friends who are not Dickens fans. Right. But this is this is the one you can't miss. Oh, I know. I know. And then I really felt it almost spoiled me for books after that. It did. Both but- of us went through. <laughs> I went through like about a, a three-week-long drought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it was just like, oh, no, it's not Goldfinch right. quality. I can't read it. Right. And so finally, for me, the thing that broke me out of it was to finally read the Hunger Games series. Oh. I'm like, because, you know, I just felt like the bar was at a different level. And um, I ended up loving the Hunger Games series. So, but <laughs> yeah, It was nonfiction for me, but I can't remember what it was. That finally, that's what I usually did, use to clear, you know, kind of cleanse my palate. <laughs> but I, I mean, I see this as a book I'm going to come back to time and time again Definitely. in my life. Yeah, just and then um, Nicole, who's a mother runner out in Pennsylvania, who is on our Ragnar team on um, my recommendation, she um, listened to it on Audible while she was running and just said it's she just continues to encourage me to listen to it as well as to read it. I have heard that the the gentleman that uh, narrates it is amazing. I've had two friends listen to it on uh, audible.com and thought it was unbelievable. Mm, so hmm, hmm. high praise. Well, already. So then, so next on my list is The Signature of All Things, which actually comes out in paperback in two days uh, from when this podcast will air. And that's by Elizabeth Gilbert, who many people know as the author of Eat, Pray, Love, which let's have people sit down before we make this announcement, yeah, Drum Allison. roll, please. <laughs> yes. that, that neither one of us liked Eat, Pray, Love. Hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that strong verb right there. Yep, yeah. yep. So, um, yeah, so you were like, oh, you have to read the signature of all things. I'm like, ah, oh, but I hated Eat, Pray, mm-hmm. Love. <laughs> Do not let that influence you. This is a, a novel that will take you places and... 
uh, has a main character who is both uh, charming, scintillating, and uh, kind of mysterious in her own way. Mm-hmm. And and kind of an odd duck. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. Yes. But it's interesting that you say that it takes you places because certainly it does. And it's set in, um, she is born in what, 18... 18- <laughs> Oh, gosh. one or 1810 or something. I think about 1810. Yes. And so that, um, and she's born in um, Pennsylvania. Right. And then, and she's born to um, kind of a um, wild, a father who has an interesting past as a person who uh, started out very poor in England and then went on to be, collect um, botanical species. um, species and bring them back to his boss, his, um, who had a fabulous garden. Mm -hmm. And so then she comes into this world with that, that, uh, and her name's Alma, right? Right. Yes. And so Alma has this almost, it's like in her blood to, to love, um, all things that grow like that. And so, but then she leads a very wonderful life through plants yet doesn't leave her home. Right. I mean, she, she barely even, she never leaves uh, Pennsylvania for the first, what, I don't know, 60, oh, 65 years of her life, something Probably. like that? Uh, maybe a little less, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. And yet you feel that like you're going through this great adventure with her. Oh, I know. I know. And it um, it just, just, I felt like I learned so much about plants. And then also I just thought, what an amazing life that Elizabeth Gilbert has, that she must have gotten to do all this fantastic research to really make this book come alive, well, like she- the plants in it. She says that this is the book that Eat, Pray, Love paid for. Uh, <laughs> it allowed her to do research. It allowed her to go to Fiji. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and it's well worth it. But um, I would you know, recommend it to, if you liked Eat, L- Eat Pray, Love, read it. Uh, if you're like Sarah and I, still uh, make sure that you pick this one up. Yeah, and it's another big one. Yes, so we, we picked a lot of long books. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but that's what you need in the summer. Right, right. And also for long runs. You know, if you're training for a marathon, listening to them. That's exactly that f- right. fills a lot of miles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So um, how about you? You mentioned one. You're, I, I don't want to hog it all up. You... That's okay. I think uh, one of the ones that I can't remember if you read it or not, but that I loved um, was The Sun by Philip Meyer. And it's his second novel. It is puts uh, the capital letters on saga uh, and epic, uh, all those words. But it takes place uh, in Texas. It deals with four generations of a Texas family uh, led by a guy named Eli McCullough. It starts off with uh, his life uh, about 1849. Comanches land on his, uh, his family's farm, and they essentially uh, wipe out his, his family except for, for himself. Uh, and he's adopted by them. And oh. uh, as an adult, he's got, you know, one foot in his Comanche upbringing and, and one foot in uh, in his, you know, the life that he was born into. Uh-huh. Uh, but he becomes extremely wealthy. And um, uh, we learn more about his son, uh, his uh, grandson, and eventually his great-granddaughter, hmm. all who become part of this, this oil business that he he starts, and Eli is not a likable character. And the thing that I find fascinating about this book is that uh, even though he's he can be pretty despicable, every time he's on the page, you're riveted. Hmm. Um, Meyer did an incredible amount of research on this book, so that shows through. And uh, this, I think, is is. Probably great for Larry McMurtry fans. Mm, that's and, what I was thinking as you were talking about it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but also, if again, if you like the multi generational mm-hmm. novels as I do, uh-huh. uh, this is definitely one to pick up. And huh. it is out in paperback, and it's on Audible.com. Oh, uh-huh. and so S O N or S U N? S O N. The uh-huh. Sun. Uh-huh. Uh, Philip Meyer, and the last name is M E Y E R. Oh, uh-huh. good, good. Well, I think we will. We'll probably um, have a list of these on our website in good uh, yes yes so we're going to take a quick break from talking about books but we'll be right back after this from audible.com this podcast is brought to you by audible.com the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many new york times bestsellers for our listeners audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service 
All of these books that we're going to be talking about are available on audible.com. So just, you know, go there, search, and then for a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mother. And now back to talking about books. I want to go into another one that has, um, that's set, uh, has a historical setting to it. It's Kate Atkinson, Life After Life. Oh, loved it. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, this was a real departure for Kate Atkinson. I think some people might know some of her other books that are more um, mystery thriller style books. Particularly Case Histories, which is fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. So, and I, 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 I liked her books, the earlier books, but I didn't love them. I found them a little somewhat dense and hard to follow somehow. Hmm. Um, and Or maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm just no, stupid. No, I don't no, know. Could no, be no. that. <laughs> so, but this one, Life After Life, it has a really, um, really compelling um, plot device, which is that, um, that the, the main character, Ursula. Yes. Another unusual name that I actually really love. If I'd had a third daughter, I wanted to name her Ursula. Good to know. Yes. Um, um, In case you're ever in a trivia question, you know, about things to know about SVS, that's an important one. So (laughs) noted. So Ursula is... Uh, gets reborn over and over, which sounds, you know, like we should start, you know, um, banging some chimes or lighting, you know, you know, rubbing some patchouli on our pulse points or something. But um, it is just, and so that Kate Atkinson takes you back to the start of her life over and over again. Gosh, she must do it, what, like eight times in the beginning, At maybe? least, at least. And yeah. and I want to warn people that it, I, it's not as bad as it sounds. Oh, uh, I know. Because you know, the first couple of times you think, really? Are we going to always go back to the beginning? Right. It's like kind of like playing Monopoly. It's like, oh, return to go, you know, again. <laughs> so, But the way she does it is, is just amazing. And uh, you find yourself almost sort of anticipating it towards the end. And it's not, I want to emphasize, it's not done in a sci-fi manner. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's, certainly Ursula over time starts to somewhat, a little bit, understand that, yes. she, that that something's going on. But it's not like she's suddenly like, oh, I get it. I'm reborn. When, you know, I can, right. you know, jump off this roof and I'll be fine because I'll get reborn again. No, there's it's much more subtle than that. And so she is, I should know this since we found out how many times she was born, but that she was born in, oh, 19, God, the early... Uh, uh, 1930. Oh, was it? Uh, no, 1910. No, 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 1910, yeah. 1910. And so it takes you through the... First and Second World War. Yes, and that that ultimately was what I found so engaging about this novel was how how much in depth Kate Atkinson, who is British, correct? Yes, yes, went how much depth she covered about uh, this the the Blitz the Blitz during London in World mm-hmm. War Two, and I just had no comprehension of what you know London residents went through during yeah. parts of the war. I yeah. mean, that was just and so vividly drawn. And so engaging and even sort of knowing that Ursula, you know, gets a do-over if if she's caught in a bomb blast. It's just, you know, you're still at the, you know, edge of your seat waiting to find out what's going to happen. And then as the novel progresses, as Ursula's life goes on, you don't, you're not necessarily always taken back to the start, to the very start. Sometimes she'll kind of pick up. Um, sort of along the way. And you just see how how events can be changed and how life can take different paths based on choices made. And sometimes just a very small choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Oh, I mean, whether she goes to the train station or not right. or something like that. Right. So, and just the, you know, the family life is so fully drawn. Uh, I had such a crush on her father. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but there was something about her father. Maybe I'm getting to the age where older <laughs> British men. <laughs> I sense you had a good head of hair. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> Thinking of my husband. <laughs> but another big, meaty, especially in paperback, uh, big, meaty novel. Oh, I know. I was surprised how big this is in paperback. Um, oh, look, and it has questions, reading group guide. That's good because my reading, uh, my my current book group, uh, you and I are no longer in 
the book group that That's we started right. out in. We got what we needed out of it. We got our running partners. And we, then we ditched we it. We were out of there, um, which is too bad. It was one of the few times in my life that I got to get dressed up a little bit, you know, put on some cute oh, shoes right. and some, some good right. jewelry. We had a jewelry maker who yeah, had helped found right. it. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I might have even worn makeup on occasion. <laughs> Glad I'm sitting down. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, how many pages is this? is this wampum thing. It is, um, yes, it is uh, about 525 pages yeah. in paperback. Yeah. So, and it also um, is recently on paperback, I believe. Yes, last mm-hmm. couple of months. Yes, yes. Okay, so you tag your it. What, what's another one of your books? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Quirky. Mm. Uh, I know that last year a lot of people enjoyed uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for them, I'd like to recommend a, a debut novel called The Unknowns by Gabriel Roth. Uh, and it deals with a young man uh, named Eric Mueller, who uh, was always that you know nerdy computer geek guy. Mm-hmm. Now he's a Silicon Valley millionaire. Mm-hmm. So he has everything he wants except for a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has uh, gone through all these uh, very um, sort of geeky OCD ways of trying to find one. And he <laughs> finally runs into the perfect gal, uh-huh. Maya. Uh-huh. But it turns out that she comes with uh, some baggage. Oh, uh-huh. And the novel uh, sort of fluctuates uh, back and forth between Eric and some, some family problems he's dealing with, particularly his father. Uh, but also, is he going to be able to take Maya baggage and all, or uh, does he feel that his life has to be very ordered and mm-hmm. uh, straightforward and, uh, you know, filled with facts and, and mm-hmm. not emotions? So does it does it paint a pretty vivid picture of life in Silicon Valley these days? It, it does, but it like Where'd You Go, Bernadette, it all also sort of wink winks uh you know mm-hmm. tongue in cheek uh you oh. know some of the side characters are, are hilarious um i think roth does a good job of uh twisting the stereotypes to, oh, the, uh-huh. to the point where it's not absurd but uh you find yourself sort of nodding your head so oh, uh-huh. and i think that uh fans of the hbo series silicon valley uh-huh. uh will enjoy it as well can, can i can i just show how really lowbrow i truly am don't don't believe me reading all these thick books and i was like oh it sounds just like silicon valley i love that show yeah and yeah. i uh i had to um foam roll last week i had to roll for uh, my coach wanted me to you know it was a rest day but i had to you know really commit to my trigger point therapy uh you know grid and so i'm like oh okay well jack tells me that in the basement we can get the shows that we have on our dvr and because i don't go down to our basement where the ginormous tv is i i'm, I'm it might have been the first time i ever turned it on oh, <laughs> we've, we've owned it i think maybe since the super bowl <laughs> and so so I'm like, oh, I can watch the season finale right. of Silicon Valley. And oh, my goodness, like 25 minutes went by just in the blink of an eye. And right. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. I yeah. just, it was, do you watch? You don't watch oh, that yes. series. Oh, I yes. love that. I thought, oh, Ellison totally won't watch yeah. that. No. <laughs> Every Sunday night. Oh, my gosh. It is. <laughs> that show is just so irreverently funny. That's, yeah. yeah. And the season finale, how he figured out. How to um, rework their program? Yes, that way. yes, yes. Yeah, well, something we can't really talk about on the air, <laughs> yes, but no. it's worth it's worth a look. Oh, I know. Yeah. And how yeah. they drew that whole joke out for the entire. I mean, yep. it was. Anyway, if you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> maybe tune in. Do not let your children anywhere near the TV. That's exactly it's... right, especially teenage boys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Ba-boom-cha. Um, so, all right. Well, that sounds like a good one, too, because I I enjoyed Where'd You Go, Bernadette. I particularly enjoyed the first half of that book. I mean, yeah. I think it sort of went off the crazy train rails. When they got the penguins involved. Correct. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. When there were icebergs floating yeah. by. Yes. But I, I mean, I love that because it was Seattle. and. Uh, oh, yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Some of the, some of the uh, Seattle... Uh, stereotypes, especially we could transfer those down here to Portland. Right, right. Where we just had the huge, huge, I think the world's largest naked bike ride, yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I tell you, one year I am going to do that, Allison. Well, uh, I having watched it for two years, uh, I can tell you that it's sort of like what my father said about going to the Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you're expecting. 
<laughs> I told somebody this week, I'm like, oh, yeah, the people you want to see naked are nowhere yeah. near it. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, so I'd fit right in. Yeah, uh, well, I said something to Carl about, was it like one in 80 that you'd want to look at? And he goes, oh, no, <laughs> the odds aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, does it go by your house? Yeah, it goes by Alberta. So. Oh, it goes on Alberta. Yeah, so it's just we could see it outside. I was upstairs getting ready for bed, heard the commotion, saw it. I could hear Carl wondering what it was downstairs, and I yelled down, it's the naked bike ride. And the next sound I heard was the screen door slamming. (laughs) I didn't realize it went by so early now because I remember in 2009, it didn't go by until the middle of the – it didn't start, I think, till midnight. Yeah, this time I think I looked out. It hit around our probably a little after nine thirty, maybe about nine forty, and it went on forever. I know. I I mean, just everybody it seems this week was talking about someone they either saw heading off toward it, to it, or their neighbor that did it, or right. something. I mean, I just right. feel it's one degree of separation pretty much for everybody in town. That's exactly right. Maybe yeah. we ought to you know drop the running, take up naked bike riding. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, so I told uh, this woman Jana, who's uh, been working on some stuff with us and she said the new hashtag is going to be n-a-m-r-15 so naked another mother runner 15 (laughs) count me out (laughs) i don't know my main thing about the naked bike ride is i never know how you get to it you know do you do you because i don't want to it's one thing to ride naked with thousands of other people right but it's another thing to sit off from my driveway you know on my bike naked so do i Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Just wear something very small, they'll like just put into no. a little, you know, I don't know, basket on the front of my bike. Uh, the people that we have seen in the past going to the naked bike ride are starting from scratch and <laughs> going all. Really? Oh, yes, yes. Really? Yes, going, yes yeah. yeah, full bore, uh-huh. so to speak. Yeah, I don't think we want to say balls to the wall, do we? No, 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 we don't want to say that. Thank God you didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know why this should lead into the next book, but it's a little offbeat, um, which is The Leftovers by, by, we've decided to say Tom Parada. Apologies if we're butchering your name, Tom. Yeah, yeah. So that is, and and here's an HBO, another HBO thing. We should be sponsored by HBO. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. Or we should have our own show. <laughs> so the um, the um, it is has been made into an HBO series, which starts on June 29th. So That's right. I so I really rec- I read this a couple years ago, and I really think people should read the book before they see the series. Yes, and we yeah. were talking about how it 
is dystopian. So, mm-hmm. so it, but you, you told me that it's a literary dystopian novel. Look at me, I remember that phrase well, versus kind of mass consumer dystopian novel. Yeah, and I think that's just mainly to assure some people like myself who are so tired of dystopian <laughs> young adult novels. I mean, please bring back the vampires. Uh, you did uh, not. You didn't. You did not. <laughs> but it, it's. I think uh, he's just got a real. A real way with uh, not only an idea, uh-huh. but putting it on the page uh, in such a way that uh, even though it is dystopian, you're, as you said, just uh, right there riveted to it. Oh, exactly. So it's set in suburbia. It's set in um, just a suburban town. Right. And that that it's the not it's not the rapture. It's not called the rapture. But no. it's And that um, but but about what two percent of the population just vanishes all of at the, the world's same time. population mm-hmm. right. just vanishes all at the same time. Right. So that, you know, you know, your neighbor's husband would be gone or, you know, the second of three kids would be gone or something like that. There seems to be no rhyme or reason. It's right. not just, um, you know, the I don't know, some some church gets evaporated. It's just random people just gone. And so this but it mainly takes place a few years after it. So it's not the immediate aftermath of, oh, my goodness, these random people have all disappeared. But it's how life has gone on and continued and morphed and how some people have made choices to um, join that kind of cult or sect, as it were. And um, I just I mean, he just paints such a vivid portrait of what how their lives have changed and just I don't know it, just, it was a book that just stuck with me for a really long time yeah I remember you saying that you couldn't get it out of your mind mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so now I'm really intrigued to see how it translates to the to the screen and to, and to remind people he wrote um Little Children mm-hmm. and Election. Mm-hmm. So if you're right. familiar with those books. Right, the Reese Witherspoon movie. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yes, you know, I don't think I've ever read that book. I've read Little Children. I really like that. It's, this is one of the few times where I would have to say I thought the movie was better than the book. Oh, I'd like to cite another example of that. Okay. Um, which is last night. I should have mentioned this earlier. I saw The Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> <laughs> should I pass you some hankies, some yes, Kleenex? Please. <laughs> so, um, so a young adult novel that is not dystopian. Exactly. Uh, Hooray. <laughs> but but the two stars of it were in Divergent, which is, you know, this year's answer to The Hunger Games. And so The Fault in Our Stars by John Green, which is a young adult novel that a lot of adults um, who are not so young enjoy reading. Um, and so Phoebe, my older daughter, is just obsessed with it. She, now, John Green is her absolute favorite novelist. And um, she used to love Wendy Mass, but she got moved aside for John Green. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Phoebe, it says she's read the book like 15 times. I'm a little dubious of that. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, at that age. <laughs> so she, and it is a quick read. I, it is. So I knew we were going, we took, uh, so I took Phoebe and four of her friends. And we were, we were supposed to see it Monday night, but then we ended up seeing it Tuesday night. But so I, on Thursday, I'm like, okay, I got to read the book beforehand. So I borrowed it from a friend and or from a friend who has two kind of um, tween daughters. And I started on Friday night and finished it Saturday night and took a 10 mile run. And during that, and slept and ate and took care of my family Goodness. during that time. So it is a quick read. But I have to say, I didn't love the novel. Um, I felt it was the pretty implausible the particularly the boyfriend i mean he was just so idealized i mean he is what every teenage girl wants a boyfriend to be and i just want to be like oh honey (laughs) (laughs) it ain't gonna happen like i mean you know within what the first hour of meeting her you know oh why are you staring at me because you're so beautiful i love staring at beautiful things Oh, oh my goodness! You know, no, yeah, no, no, no. So, so anyway, so went to the movie knowing they'd gotten kind of a B or B plus uh, review from most reviewers, and 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 I can be kind of a movie reviewer snob. My my dad raised me. I remember I was going to go see um, Porky's with my oh. <laughs> with uh, with my best friend in sixth grade, and or sorry, I was sixteen. We we're going to go see Porky's, and um, you know, just the, Twitch is just such a low rent trashy comedy that i ultimately did find very funny and my dad was like oh where are you going and i'm like oh i'm gonna go see a movie with stacy oh what are you gonna see porky's 
oh, that didn't get very good reviews. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I'm 16. I don't care. And then, of course, I go to it. And I'm like, oh, Dad was right. It, yeah. it, yeah. it didn't deserve good reviews. Yeah. So um, so I went in very much, we, we you know, like ready to be like, hmm, this didn't get very good reviews. So the fault in our stars. But I did bring along a brand new box of Kleenex for the girls. Smart choice. I was told I was not allowed to sit in the same row with them. Um, so that, so uh, ended up another mother went along who I didn't know very well. Uh, I mean, just sort of newer in passing. She had not read the book. <sighs> she sobbed, started sobbing about uh, 30, 40 minutes into the movie oh, and Lord. just kept the waterworks just continued. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and so I, I cried some, but I just have to say the movie was so much better than I thought than the book. Mainly because the two actors who play the the you know the star-crossed lovers are just so charming and engaging, and I mean I'm ready to adopt Shailene Woodley like tomorrow. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, Phoebe is head over heels in love with the um, Ansel. I'm not remembering his last name. The boy, I'm not who, either. the boy who plays Augustus yeah. Waters. And on the drive back, I said, "Oh, okay. So are you know? Do you just totally love the character or the actor?" Both. Both, Mom. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, okay. And that they're separate entities, too. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. So, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether people should read that book or not before they go see the movie. But um, it was, again, it was far more enjoyable movie than I expected. And mm-hmm. I, I thought about it so much when I got home. I had to get up pre- earlier than usual to run today. I had to do nine miles today. And so I'm like, okay, I got to fall asleep. I lay there for 30 minutes thinking about the book oh, or the, and the movie. And, I think you know. that's always a sign of a good book and or movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. If it sticks with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's another book that has stuck with you, E? Uh, one that you and I, I think, sort of split hairs on or, or went opposite directions. It's called Little Known Facts by Christine Sneed. Uh, it's her first novel. She's written a book of short stories before that, but it centers around an aging Hollywood uh, megastar named Ren Ivins. Mm-hmm. Uh, his children, his girlfriend, his ex-wives um, it deals with fame, mm. family, affluence, all the things we Americans worship and love to read about. <laughs> and I thought Sneed did a great deal with uh, sort of showing this man, um, you know, giving us the juicy gossip side of his life, but also um, kind of going behind the scenes in such a way that was believable, mm. um, uh, showing uh, his children and how his affluence had affected or not affected them. And I would really recommend this for fans of Beautiful Ruins. Uh, so when you start talking about it, I thought, oh, it sounds like Beautiful Ruins. It is. It's, it's, it's you know, uh, uh, more of a, uh, I'd say, a present uh, a present time, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, and it's interesting because Jess Walter, the author of Beautiful Ruins, actually blurbed it. Um, very mm-hmm. gave Christine Sneed's book mm-hmm. a very nice blurb. Mm-hmm. So I think if if you're looking for a book that's uh, you know got got some some juice, got some gossip, but also mm-hmm. is written uh, in a, you won't be embarrassed to take this uh, you know with you to. Um, you know, uh, to bring it up at a, a high-level cocktail party. Because us mother that. runners go to a lot of those. We go to a lot of those. <laughs> and we host a lot in of fact, those. In fact, my goodness, I need to leave and get ready for the one I'm <laughs> going to. It's tonight. 5 o'clock somewhere, That's isn't exactly it? That's exactly right. <laughs> Shake the martini glass. <laughs> oh, goodness. So I, um, when I was thinking about what books I wanted to recommend, one just sprung back into my mind that I forgot how much I had loved it. And again, I think it's a book you and I differ a little bit on okay which is the engagements by j courtney sullivan right and i just love the intermingling of biographical details it's uh, about this um woman who never married um she's a female ad exec or copywriter and she is the one who came up with the line a diamond is forever yes and she's a true she's an actual historical figure and um, so it's all, you know, so and she, you know, that whole campaign really popularized the diamond engagement ring. So it's based on that fact. But then there's just so many um, fictional tales woven around it with various characters. And you don't see them all coming to all the storylines coming together. I mean, they're almost like short stories, but then the, it gets picked up, you know, a couple chapters later, then you'll revisit the couple. And they, they are of different eras, I guess. But yes, um, but some of them are contemporary. Um, maybe one of them is. 
I can't remember. remember. Yeah. So, um, so, but you know, it, it made me realize that I must like books that have a nugget of true history in it, and then that gets spun and fictionalized and and built upon. Yeah. So, because I realized that that's because life after life is like that. The signature right. of all things. Right. Um, Goldfinch, while it's contemporary, is I mean that it's based on a real painting. So. Right. Um, so yeah. So I, yeah. I, I had that. I had that epiphany. Yeah, I, well, I think we both uh, have. Uh, you know, part of our hearts are back in history. I oh. think we're both history buffs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when somebody can weave that into historical fiction, I think that's uh, that to me is a real gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what was what didn't you like about the engagements? I found that it sagged a little in the middle, mm-hmm. um, like I, a mattress. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like my mattress, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Tempur-Pedic, are you listening? Um, but I, I, I admire uh, Sullivan's writing. I've, uh, unlike you, really enjoyed Maine. Uh-huh. Um, but I found uh, that the engagements uh, uh, it seemed like she sort of lost control of it uh, midway through. Oh, huh. Because I really liked. About three quarters of the way through, when you sort of saw that things were going to come together, I was like, "Oh, uh huh." Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, um, I just really found it a page turner. And I have to say that she's very nice on Twitter. She is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. So, um, like those writers who are nice on Twitter. Thank you, uh, Courtney. Yes. <laughs> if I may call you Courtney. <laughs> right. So, um, so we got a couple suggestions from Dimity. So oh, she's good. Dimity in abstentia. Um, so, but they, even though I told her that this is about novels, it's she, nonfiction, <laughs> right? She, she did, yes, because <laughs> Dimity does love her nonfiction, but she said they're still great reads. So, um, the Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant by Roz Chast. Chast. I, I believe that's it. Yes. So, and that is a, um, is it a graphic novel? It is a graphic novel. She's a very well-known um, cartoonist, uh, but this does deal with her aging parents. Mm-hmm. So, Dimity bought that, I think, while she was um, in Steamboat Springs recently for her half marathon. She oh, said yeah. she just, she, I mean, she, she got through it in, I think, like two days or something. Yeah. So, um and then when I asked her if I could borrow it from her, she said she was going to share it with her whole family members. Wow. So, yes. So, but I think I definitely need to uh, get a copy of it because I am flying home tomorrow night to Connecticut to spend some time with my aging parents. And so I think it will shed some light on the situation. Um, but also, I, I adore graphic novels. Yes. So, um, so and I, I mean, that's odd because we're calling it a graphic novel, yet it's based on her own life. So, um I yeah, I, I think it's sort of, in some ways, I think this book probably straddles mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sort of the, the graphic novel. She's, she's in, in, she says this has been, was a very personal book for her, understandably. And, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you, I think you sort of turned me on to graphic novels. I did. Uh, I, um, yeah, and I just love, also, again, back to the history thing, I just love how it can take bits of history that, um, and, you know, now that I think about it, we've read, the first graphic novel I ever read was, um, Persephilis? Right. In book group. We did read it. I think we read both of them, the first and the second one, or did we just read the first one? I think we just read the first yeah. one. And yeah. that um and so that was about the life in Iran and right. during the um, you know, the the war and the um the lead up to the hostage crisis, things right. like that. And I'm sorry, but I never would have read sat down and read a nonfiction, you know, dense book about that, but it was just fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, somehow that she was able to, what I love about graphic novels, how much they can convey in so few words. Exactly. It's kind of like a really wonderful foreign film that it's like, oh, there haven't been all that many subtitles, but there sure has been a lot of story told. Oh, that's a, that's a great, yeah, that's a great way of putting it and describing it. Yeah. And, um, and there's this whole series of um, graphic novels that are about kind of true crime things. Right. And I love those. I love, and then Phoebe borrowed them from me. There was one about the Lindbergh baby case and um, I think there's one about the Lizzie sh- Borden I believe Lizzie Borden I never got to that one and then I think there's one about maybe um, the uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln assassination right and then I just found a new series of them in part um, because I got one out it was it's actually from the children's section I think but it was fairly dense and it was about Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller oh and it's by a um, there's an institute for graphic novels or for comic strips or something. And so they focus, they do one on, I think I was telling you about this at dinner and it was, um, there, they have one about Houdini. They have one about Amelia Earhart, mm-hmm. one about Satchel Paige, Page. Mm-hmm. and then maybe one other. But so I have the, um, next to my bedside from the library, I have the Houdini one and the Amelia Earhart one. 
So, um, but the one on Annie Sullivan, I mean, that was, that was also just super interesting. I had no idea just, I don't know. I I learned a lot of things also about Helen Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, including that she graduated from Radcliffe. Um, so, um, and so then the other one that Dimity, um, it's called Overwhelmed Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time by Bridget Schulte. And she says she just started it last night. She says she's only one and a half chapters in, but she can already tell that she's going to love it. And that Bridget is a reporter with the Washington Post, and she intersperses her own life with studies and experts about time management and gender relations. Hmm. So she says, so it's not too dry. So um, (laughs) she says, there's one line in the first chapter about how she took her cat to the vet because the cat was destroying the carpet. The vet told her the cat needed more attention. (laughs) Can't we just spray water at it, she wrote. Uh, Dimity says she laughed out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Love the title. Yeah, yeah, yes. So... um, uh, so Dimity says she's not sure, uh, Bridget has any solutions for not feeling overwhelmed, but she knows he'll, she will make time to finish the book. Good. Yes. Um, so, okay. And you have a, you have a couple more novels for us. I have one, uh, by a British author named John Lanchester, um, and it's called Capital, uh, C-A-P-I-T-A-L. Oh, that was another book I got out of the library that I couldn't finish. You're kidding no, me. Uh-uh. What is the matter with you? <laughs> And I thought this would appeal to you because it takes place in London. It's uh, uh-huh. set during the crash and so in 2008. And it essentially follows several residents on a very, very wealthy, uh, I guess you could say gentrified street, a street that uh, oh, right. through the decades has, has, has become one of the it streets. Uh-huh. Um, but all of these residents have been receiving postcards reading, we want what you have. Mm. So you've got mystery, but uh, it's it's a huge character play. Um, some of the characters were just so well written. You've got this young, famous soccer player uh, who has has just come over uh, and is is now living in London. And you've got a um, an older woman dying of a brain tumor, which doesn't sound as isn't as depressing as it sounds. And she has a uh, an adoring grandson who's a graffiti artist. Mm. So I love the play between them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a banker and his wife who uh, is has a bit of a problem with kleptomania. Oh. Um, so the way that all of these characters, uh, again, it's sort of like what you were talking about with um, the engagements, the mm-hmm. the stories weave. You have separate stories, but then they're eventually going to weave in together. Mm-hmm. And um, I love British novels uh, of of that ilk that mm-hmm. sort of take different different families and and blend them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I loved it, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not sure. I guess I would probably recommend it again for anybody that likes Life After Life. Um, I might have to give it another look. I think you need I'm to. I'm also wondering, maybe it was just that I ran out of time and that Multnomah County Library asked me for it back. Those so-and-so. <laughs> Why do they torture us? No, I would give it I would give it another look, particularly knowing how you like British novels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Did you find it at all slow to get into? Because that would be the other thing that would... No. Oh, not at all. Not uh-huh. at all. Now, he's um, a couple of his other novels. I will say that I've had a little bit of trouble getting in, into. I need to go back. He wrote A Debt to Pleasure, and I uh, have as yet been able to crack that. But this hmm. one... Uh, how about funky typeface? Sometimes I don't like a funky typeface or too I'm tight the letting. Same way. <laughs> I like tight and 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 if I can and talk about it, I love. Um, oh, what are the with the pages? I'm completely blanking now. But where the pages are are, are rippled. Oh, um, you mean so that they're not split. smooth at the end? Right. And oh. there's there's a name for it, and I will think of it at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, see, I don't uh, know that word. I can't even search uh, my mental database. Oh, for it. I love that. I, I, <laughs> I know what you mean exactly, yeah. but I didn't know that a word existed. And there's, for there's it. somewhere there's several uh, listeners out there that are screaming the <laughs> right. name <laughs> of it. <laughs> there's so one. I think you. there's only one <laughs> listener. Out there. I'm sure there's one. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, anyway, will probably come to me in a little bit. But if a if typeface is too big, I uh. don't like it. Oh, huh. Yeah, huh. I always feel like they're trying to say to me, yeah, you're getting up there in age there, honey. <laughs> just... I, have, I have to say that my my whole typeface and letting thing, which letting, if people don't know, is how much space there is between the lines right. on a page um, of text. And that goes back to when I was in second and third grade when I was reading the Little House in the Prairie series. Love it. And, you know, uh, which is, you know, my all-time favorite <laughs> books. And that um, I remember that the... 
the letting in particular shifted between, um, I remember distinctly that it changed and the banks of, of um, Silver Lake. Right. Or and Plum Creek. No, so it was after the, the on bank. the banks of Plum Creek and on the shores of Silver shores Lake. Shores of Silver Lake, oh, right. I, mean, I say it's my favorite and I can't even get the name straight. But, but, but in between Plum Creek and Silver Lake, they... They made the words much t- the lines much tighter together and the typeface a little smaller. Right. And there was just something inside of me that could feel a shift. And that also because by that point, that's when Mary was blind. And so oh. the topic got depressing and the words were a whole lot closer together. And I was like, oh, we're in new territory here. I'm not so sure I like this. And Somewhere there's a therapist making tons of money off of this issue. And so, so yeah, so so to this day, sometimes I'll be like, oh, like I'll get a, you know, sometimes if you're at a bookstore or a library and there's two different copies of a book, you know, so that they don't just have different covers, you know, right. pictures on the cover, but sometimes the Billy, like, oh, okay, well, the, you know, I like how this one's laid out on the page better. And I'll choose the right. book based on that, because I don't know, it's just, you, you want to feel at home and supported when you're inside a That's book. That's exactly right. So, That's exactly right. Well, I know people that won't buy a book because of its cover. They actually do judge a book by its cover. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, but you're going to have to do that for your last two books, aren't you? Because you they are so new that you haven't even had a chance to recommend them. Or is right. there just one? That's right. No, there's actually two of them uh, for fans of Jojo Moyes, who <gasps> wrote, uh, yes, and Me Before You, uh-huh. which is a big hit. Uh, I guess it came out in paperback last summer. Or last spring, spring. I think, maybe was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, she's got a new one coming out. Uh, it's coming out July first. One plus one. Oh, um, and it's the tale of a essentially, in a nutshell, it's a dysfunctional family, a dysfunctional divorce wife, and her very talented math whiz daughter. Uh, and I believe her troubled stepson mm. go on a uh, road trip with a very obnoxious, self-absorbed multimillionaire. <laughs> So, uh, that's oh a, well, that's I look forward to that for because you. I mean, I just, I just love that other book. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So fantastic. Yes, and you know, talk about a weepy. I don't usually weep at, at adult books. I can probably count on one hand books that I have cried on. Really? Uh, oh yes. Yes. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. Wow. Oh yeah, I cried my eyes out over. Oh yes, over I did, book. and then yeah. you know, then was slightly embarrassed about it. But oh um, yeah, I finished that book on an airplane. So there oh, I am, just trying to turn my head as I just sob <laughs> against the window. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know JoJo's got a lot of fans out there, so uh, mm-hmm. get, get that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, get that one in your sights. And then for people that loved um, Fault in Our Stars, uh, there's a new young adult book. It's actually her first young adult novel uh, coming out. At, uh, the author is Cami McGovern, mm-hmm. as in Sister of Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And it's called Say What You Will. Um, and it has two main characters. Amy has cerebral palsy. Matthew suffers uh, significantly from OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And so they kind of put a new twist on meeting cute in high school. Oh, huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, and Cammie McGovern, um, has she been a writer before? Yes. She's oh. got at least one adult novel. In fact, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, she's got more like two or three. And this, But this is her first venture into young adult territory. Oh, uh-huh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, well, all right. Well, well, E, I think I think we have talked about books and hopefully made some suggestions that people will be excited to dig into either when they're done with their runs or uh, you know maybe listen During. to it on yeah right. Audible yeah right. so um, so great and um, if you want uh, more of Dimity and me we are on Facebook at Run Like a Mother the book. Um, our books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother. I hope those are books people enjoy and, and like the letting and the typeface and That's all that right. good That's stuff. Right. And the covers. <laughs> yeah, they're available on Amazon.com. Our website is Another Mother Runner on uh, Twitter and Instagram. We are The Mother Runner. And many happy miles to you. Um,